0: What's happening, everybody? It's Brett Romberg here with the Out the Huddle podcast coming at you live from MIA. I want to get into this North Carolina game, but first things first, holy smokes, did we just dodge an absolute catastrophic nightmare last week. I want to give giant prayers up for the people of the North Bahamas, the Abacos, um, Grand Bahama. As a person who frequented... Who frequents the Bahamas? Who, who who definitely vacations over there? My God, man! Seeing the devastation that happened and in the, in the news coverage, the round-the-clock news coverage as well, it's just been it's just been a decimated area. So first things first, I definitely want to make sure that that people out there, if they can, if they do have anything that they could possibly donate, doesn't need to be monetarily. It could be some leftover clothes, baby clothes. These people have been just gutted. From everything that they possibly own, like we're talking 13,000 homes, 60,000 people have just been turned right upside down, unfortunately, and that thing just marinated for 24 hours over the Bahamas. I we dodged a bullet, ladies and gentlemen, like we really did. So anything, anything that you guys can possibly do. Uh, or, or or donate. I know there's plenty of places all over town that are taking in donations to try to get them on over there by Friday. Uh, these people, again, are with even out running. They, they don't even have drinkable water. Um, and I know you're going to tell me, I know Flint, Michigan doesn't have drinkable water either, so why aren't we helping Flint, Michigan? But still, this is something that the people of Miami, like literally, I don't know how the way you felt on Saturday morning when you got that forecast, because if you were like me, uh, I'm sure you were the the hurry up and wait panic situation of getting water. There was no water on the shelves. There was nothing, man, nothing. I was trying to go get baby water for my baby, and there was no baby water around town. So, uh, thank God, thank God, I was a little bit more uh, ahead of the game when I went out and did a little shopping. Got a bunch of water, got a few canned goods, that kind of thing. Because if you waited until the Friday or the Saturday, there was nothing on the shelves. So. Um, But the news that I got on Saturday morning, that 5 a.m. hurricane report that told us that we were going to be safe, uh, might just get a little bit of wind. That made all the difference in the world for me. The panic, the stress levels, all that other stuff kind of uh, dissipated for me and in my world, dealing with three kids and the wife and contemplating on going to canada for god's sakes last time i had to go to atlanta so i ended up going up to the atl the last time that this hurricane hit two years ago i believe it was irma so i've i've been through it and and i haven't struggled the way that these poor people in the bahamas have just been just been absolutely crushed man so so again if you can Uh, if you do have something time as well, uh, if, if you're not doing anything and you have time to possibly donate, to help out at some of these shelters and places that are taking in some goods, uh, I strongly advise you to, to, to go ahead and do so. Um, it's going to kind of tie into my first topic of what's going on here. We've been off for a week, right? We're getting ready to play the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, we've been off for a week and there's been that. Possible distraction of hurricanes. I went through it when I was here playing at the University of Miami Uh, The majority of of every single program in the US will go through some kind of distraction throughout the week whether that's uh, a tornado if you're dealing with the the Midwest the Texas the Oklahoma areas uh, Whether it's the earthquake situations out on the West Coast here on the East Coast we deal with hurricanes all the time so Um, that's one of the things that that I want to get into immediately is the possible distraction of this and, and the way that the Canes have dealt with this. If you were over at the Miami Hurricanes facility all of last week, there was sheer panic throughout the community of this massive storm growing and growing from three to four and then going into the five category. If you walked into the University of Miami Athletic Center, it was like nothing was coming these guys were so focused manny diaz had these guys so tight it was unreal to see that i'm talking coaches players i would go over there and say so what's the what's the what's the evac plan and i'm asking the coaches so what's the plan man you're going to go home and get your house all boarded up and they're like nah man we we haven't we haven't been able to go anywhere we're out here grinding and i was like what are you kidding me man manny the stone cold killer bro that's like that's like Nick Saban. I'll never forget this story. When, when Nick Saban took over as the Miami Dolphins head coach, and the hurricane hit down here, I believe it was Katrina, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it came through, ripped through South Florida. Nick Saban actually got up, removed the the fallen palm trees, the the ripped apart trees that were in his front yard that was covering his driveway, threw him <laughs> threw them over onto his wife's side of the driveway, ultimately blocking her end of the garage. And he gets in his car and heads on over to the facility and starts just straight up cold calling everybody. Coaches, players, what the hell are you guys doing? Where are you at? We got full power over here at the facility, man. Time to get in here and practice. Like, just just relentless, nonstop. I don't give a shit about your family's well-being. I don't care if your family is okay and safe. Just get your ass in over here because we got a game to play. I felt like it was Waterboy standing at the, at the bottom of the hospital when he was up there looking at Mama talking about... We got a game to win on Saturday, you know? Shout out. I'm telling you, man. Manny Diaz really, he blew my mind with, with, with the stone cold, I've been through this before mentality, and this thing ain't coming. Clearly, clearly, you probably have some kind of hookup. And what I mean by that is you either got some bigwig up at FPL, you got somebody in the Navy or the Marines making a phone call for you, letting you know that this thing ain't coming near you. You know the kind of stuff that the news doesn't really want to tell you? That makes you go ahead and do the crazy panicking. Let me go ahead and buy everything in the world right now. When was the last time I needed a goddamn propane two burner? I don't know. Never, right? But let me go ahead and buy one because I'm afraid that the world's coming to an end right now. Shout out to those people as well, man. My God. Anywho, so that's what we were dealing with last week at the at the facility. You're dealing with Manny Diaz, keeping these guys cool, calm, and collected. No evac plans. Still get your ass to practice. Make this thing work out. Even on a bye week, I'm telling you, bye week time, practicing, getting after it. Like there's no love lost during the bye week. Usually you'll try to maybe correct a few things early on and then let these guys go ahead and get back to fundamentals and basics. No, man, it was a grind. I'm talking about no stone unturned kind of grind. So this week, we dodged the hurricane, right? We dodged Dorian. But right now, it's looking like it's going and creeping up the East Coast. Heading up into the Carolinas. So Thursday right now, you're looking at a late night, early Friday morning possible affecting Charlotte and the North Carolina area, up the eastern seaboard, the South Carolina area. So hopefully that doesn't affect anything that we need to do as a football team. I know the guys are getting ready to go up there tomorrow afternoon, Friday afternoon, and make sure that they're all set with their hotel and all the other distractions that are happening throughout the week. It's weird, man. It's like one of those things where you you know what's going on in the outside world, but since you live in this cocoon of school and football, school and football, do what you're told, be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, and just work. That's it. Just because of that, you're numb to the outside world and really what's going on throughout the outside world. You might get the odd ESPN in the locker room televised, and you might see a few different things that are happening lately in the sporting world, but for the most part... You ultimately become numb. The rest of the world doesn't even matter. And I feel like you get that from an early sense right from the beginning when you're in college. It's it's one of those things, especially if you have a possibility of going to the NFL, the outside world really doesn't matter. And it doesn't affect you, to be perfectly honest. And not to sound not to sound arrogant or not to sound like you know, football players or athletes are are better than than the average man or or, or everybody else in society even though they are part of the lesser of the 2% of the people able to do what they do for a living. But for real, they live in a fairy tale world. Nothing affects them. Like if you think about it now that I'm done playing retired family, man, like nothing really affected me up until the point where I was like, you know, 33 years old where I was living in the cocoon of being a professional athlete, the cocoon of a professional athlete. Like, honestly, Your money's deposited in the bank. You have somebody going ahead and handling your finances. You're driving your car and filling up your car, and you have four or five months off a year where all you need to worry about is basically getting your body right and working out. Then the rest of your year is so regimented, the times that you need to be, like I'm talking 7.33, meeting, 7.55, breakfast, 8.21, Workout like that's the way that these things are scheduled and your whole day is mapped out even on your off days Nowadays as a professional athlete, you're either visiting a hospital doing some charity event Heaven forbid you get to have any family time. Those days don't exist anymore. This is a seven day a week for the most part I'd say two hundred ninety to three hundred day a year job that you guys are getting into as a professional athlete so So this whole Hurricane Dorian mumbo-jumbo has definitely gotten past us and has gone further north. And the only people right now, which I'm totally okay with, dealing with this possible distraction is the people of North Carolina. And what I mean by that is I'm I'm not obviously wishing anything bad upon the people of the Carolinas. Of course not. I'm just talking about adding an extra distraction for the Tar Heel football team and the people that are coordinating all of their logistics, the, 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 the training staff, uh, everybody chattering around the building of what is our problem, what is our situation going to be, are we going ahead and board up our houses, our businesses, do we need to get water? We went through all of this last week, and fortunately for us, it was a bye week. These people are not going to be going through this on a bye week. This is their opening day. This is like their first game at home, especially coming after a pretty big win against South Carolina. How big was that win over the weekend against South Carolina, the Gamecocks? Massive. Reason being is because it's their first head coach, Mac Brown. Old school head coach, right? He was there in the past. Mac Brown comes in and breaks a 10 game drought. And what I mean by that is they haven't won against a power five team on opening day in 10 games. And Mac Brown goes in with a true freshman quarterback and does this on opening day. And not only does this on opening day, but does it with an 11 point unanswered deficit. Like that's, that's the one thing that probably blew my mind. And the fact that his quarterback, his quarterback grew up in that second half. So Trust me when I tell you, Miami might be the favorite. Might be my, Miami might be a little bit of a favorite going into this weekend. But after the way that they played on Saturday, I'm going to get into it right now and tell you exactly this whole situation with the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm going to start this thing off. 2015. I don't know if you remember it but i sure as hell do november 14th at keenan memorial in chapel hill in front of 61,000 people the tar heels whooped our ass embarrassingly i'm talking 21 points to 59 and the reason why i say 21 is because i'm going to say the canes name first normally you don't do that but for real we lost 21 59 in front of 61,000 fans packed house very similar to what's been going on this weekend trust me when I tell you there's no student tickets left over and all the other seats are basically going to get booked up this is their opening day coming after an basically an opening day at home after their opening day of the season beating South Carolina it's going to be a big game for them man big game so 2015 I don't know if you remember this or not. Number 12, remember Marquise Williams, the quarterback, then on a 10-yard run off of right tackle, took the U and bent it upside down and put it over his deal. Yeah, over his junk. I'll let you marinate it on for a minute, right? Most embarrassing moment that I've seen in a long time is when I seen a North Carolina Tar Heel quarterback, Marquise Williams, take the U, Turn it upside down and put it over his meat. Freaking killed me, man. Killed me. That was 2015. That was right. That was the season where Al Golden got thumped by Clemson. The I guess you can call it the cleansing, where we got beat 58 nothing by Clemson and, and Al Golden departed. And the interim head coach at the time was Larry Scott. Larry Scott was the tight ends coach that ended up taking over. Uh, I called that one the disrespect game. The only reason why I was disrespectful was because of what I told you earlier by Marquise Williams. By the way, I don't know where the hell he's at or what the hell he's doing, but number 12, that image is going to be burnt in my mind. That's that Braxton Berrios. That's the stuff that like some of these guys, when they were on that team, they should remember very, very clearly. Very clearly. That was an 8-5 and season that we had, right? I'm going to go ahead and jump to 2016. 2016, that's when the Chicago Bears quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, ended up having a big day he went thirty-three for forty-six. Ended up throwing two hundred and ninety-nine yards. He was second overall pick, right, that year in the NBA, in the NFL draft. He ended up going to the Bears. They, they they beat us twenty to thirteen. So we're dealing with back-to-back games that the North Carolina Tar Heels beat our ass, and it was kind of a back-and-forth situation that year. We actually did pretty decent. We went nine and four. Um, not a horrible year, uh, but again. Nine and four is a lot better than the eight and five, and definitely better than the seven and six we got last year. Let me go ahead and fast forward now to 2017. This was the whole year about, you know, Rozier, Rozier, how the hell you pronounce his name. Kind of ridiculous if you ask me, but he had a big game. Threw for 356 yards. What I don't understand is how he was 16 for 58, or sorry, 16 for 38. How is that possible? 16 for 38. You look at that number, it's kind of embarrassing. It's not really that good but the brother threw for 356 yards. UM ended up beating North Carolina that game 24 to 19. Jeff Thomas had a little bit of a day. He went three for 101. And that year, we went 10 and three. That was the year that, you know, we had a little bit of swag to us. Then last year, last year was all turnover chain year. Like this is the game that Manny D has. I don't know if this put his name on the map, but if you really think about it, when you got two defensive ends that score touchdowns, Garvin ended up getting one of them that game. That was really, really badass. That was the game that Nkosi Perry was our quarterback, remember? Because everybody else kept getting suspended. It was like everybody take a turn getting suspended. Every single quarterback we had, go ahead and sit on the bench or get suspended. Pretty embarrassing if you ask me. I've never heard of a collegiate program ever suspending all of their quarterbacks to the point where like it's a rotation where every weekend you don't really know who's going to be playing. But that game was a total defensive game. That game, we ended up going to have three defensive touchdowns that game. We whooped them 47-10, to 10, right? So this was, the, this was the coming back, I guess you can say, game where, where the University of Miami defense just had a buffet. Like, I'm talking ridiculous stuff going on with that game. I got into a little bit of the game film and watched quite a bit of it, to be perfectly honest, because I wanted to see what we were dealing with and who was returning and, and what kind of players that I need to keep my eye on. But last year's game, Travis Homer... Started this thing off real nice. He had a nice little cutback versus an eight-man front. They tried to stack the box on us. Travis Homer put his foot in the ground and then came right back and cut it right back off some pretty nice blocking by our offensive line. Then, you know, Garvin and Joe Jack ended up going ahead and getting the two touchdowns last year. Uh, Joe Jack had a beautiful, nice little catch. Garvin ended up picking up that nice fumble as well. Um, There was a lot of tackles for loss. It It was really... Like when I tell you that it was our defensive day, that was like your stereotypical, everybody check the box, get yours, get your sacks, get your turnovers, get your tackles for losses. Willis had a big game. There were some stupid penalties. I'm not going to lie to you, but we could afford to do those apparently during that game because of the situation and, and how we were doing. So again, you know, it was primarily a defensive stand uh, last last year against against the Tar Heels. Uh, this year, you got Mac Brown, right? They got a whole new coach. They got a whole new system. He was there from 88 to 97. He was like an old coach that they had and ended up bringing back. He was the same coach that coached the University of Texas and won the national championship back in 2005. That was the coach that had Vince Young with him. Um, so he goes ahead and he replaces Larry Fedora, who's been there for a little while. Uh, he runs a lot of spread offense. His defense, though, uh, for me... They seem kind of softer than Cotton, to be perfectly honest with you. Softer than baby shit, if you really want to go ahead and get into it. I don't like the way that they, they're they not too physical. Um, our offensive line, I'm going to get into some of the keys to the game, but our offensive line needs to go ahead and put something on them because they stand so damn tall when they take on blocks. I want to see, like, I need Big Navon to go ahead and road grade a couple big boys. I saw a picture in a video this weekend of Dallas Cowboys' uh, offensive lineman Collins. Mm-hmm demoralizing folks like i'm talking going against some real stud nfl players like a lot of guys from the seahawks the bears the packers a couple of the guys that he ended up dish ragging actually commented on the video and one of the guys said that he thought he had wings When Collins came up and knocked him out, like it was one of those situations. So our offensive line needs to be real physical, real physical on some of their blocks this week. They have a great opportunity. Those guys on the defensive side of the football stand pretty tall. So I I need big Navon. I need DJ skate to go ahead and do something nice. Um, My center, Corey gainer, but I really, I really want Nelson to have a nice game this weekend. I know he kind of went into the tank a little bit last week or two weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't say he shit the bed, but you heard me on the last podcast. I, I thought that he he kind of just folded a little bit, you know, and went into a shell. And 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 I don't know, if, I don't know if saying that the game became too big for him is the right terminology, but uh, but he definitely seemed out of his element in that game. So I'm looking for him to have a little bit of a better performance, right? So North Carolina ends up coming off of a big game last Saturday against South Carolina Gamecocks. Um True freshman quarterback, Sam Howell, four star recruit, Not so good of a first half, to be perfectly honest. I, I know they commented on it. Um, they were kind of handcuffing him. The color commentator had a, a nice little nice little thing for him that they, they they handcuffed him a little bit by limiting his plays and his play calling. And then in the second half, you saw a total different player. Even a lot of his running backs had comments about it that he got more comfortable in the huddle. He was able to go ahead and do a lot more in the second half. He went 15 for 24, he threw for 245 yards. He had a couple touchdowns and a fumble when he got laid out, when he got sacked. But here's the two things I don't want to tell you about. Those two touchdowns, those two touchdowns that came in the second half were monsters. And I'm talking about this is the type of thing that we're going to be looking for Jaron Williams to do. Already ESPN has kind of touted this young man, Sam Howell, as, as the rookie of the ACC. Um, I don't know who else there is. But a guy that just plays a second half of football is already getting labeled as, as the possible rookie of the ACC of the year. Um, Sam Howell had two drives in that game, both seven plays, one for 95 yards and one for 98 yards. That is ball-dropping football. Like, you're taking your team when they need it, when they're down. You're taking your team, both sides, lengths of the field, rallied behind that 11-point deficit. I'm telling you, they changed – The outlook of their season with that game. What that did was convinced a lot of these guys on this roster that it's not the same old team. New coach, new quarterback, new system. They're starting to believe, is my guess, and drink a little bit of the Kool-Aid. The stuff that you worked for for the last month and a half, you don't know how it's going to lay out. You don't know. When When the real bullets are flying, for lack of a better term, when the real bullets are flying... That's how you get to see, you get to get battle tested and you get to see what everything you've been working for, for the last month and a half. And if you really want to go back into spring ball, when they're introducing a lot of Mac Brown stuff, that's when you see it come to fruition. Like right now, the Miami Hurricanes don't know what Dan Enos's offense can do. They really don't know at this point in time. They're still ultimately learning this playbook and they didn't do anything offensively or anything enough to go ahead and convince me otherwise they're keeping it pretty simple and they're not expanding on it where where, especially after a loss, these guys still have question marks about what's going on here. And they've had a long list of some bad situations right now, much, much more bad situations than there was good going throughout camp and spring ball. So like their mentality right now is still not where it needs to be. Whereas if you look across the field, North Carolina just did something that they haven't done in 10 games against power five teams on opening day. Mack Brown makes them believe right now, bringing in some of that old school mentality, but obviously keeping up with the times. I'm not pumping them up and I'm not putting them on a pedestal, but if you watch that game, you watch some of their key players pretty legit, man. Like I'm talking about their backfield. You want to look at their running backs they got three horses back there, three studs. Mind you, one of them, Carter, number eight. Carter ended up putting us on us last year. Carter ran all over us last year. So now you, with the addition of Carter, you're adding two other guys. You got Antonio Williams and Javante Williams, number 24 and number 25. It's going to be a three headed horse in that backfield. A lot of fresh legs. So our guys got to be ready. And my guess is they're probably going to try to keep up some real nice tempo because they're going to have a nice revolving door at that running back spot. Trust me, their running backs are going to try to run all over on us because they have in the past. I don't know what's going to change. Even their quarterback last year ran all over us. A lot of that give-and-go, RPO, optioning all that other stuff that's what killed us last year we were covering the the pitch man we weren't covering the quarterback on some of those instances so they have to have basically be on the ball to be perfectly honest like they need to go ahead and have their responsibility down so they got their nice little running back core but they also got a couple good wide receivers as well one made an acrobatic catch in that game against the game but the one i really believe that they need to go and pay attention to is daz newsome number five you're going to hear his name called out quite a bit That seems to be his favorite target. He came up with one of the big catches of that game when he threaded the needle, which I thought should have been an interception, but it is what it is. They ended up coming out ahead. So they got the new quarterback, right? He's young. You need to create a lot of havoc around him. So on defense, they need to go ahead and wrap up and lay some serious hits because these running backs like to deliver some punishment now when they're running. They're not soft running backs by any means. They like to lower their head and turn into you when they're on the open field. So... Our safety's got to be ready to go ahead and get these shoulders right. Our linebackers, which I'm not really worried about, need to go ahead and get their shoulders right. This is going to be a very physical running football game. The quarterback, they need to go ahead and light him up, create a lot of havoc. Like I said, he coughed one up against them when he had a sack last weekend, so I don't know how good he is with holding the football. Very similar to our guy, Jaron. He runs with the football way outside of his hip. You look at that, like when he goes and runs, he doesn't tuck the football and run. It's a very, very, very stressful situation for me when I watch Jaron Williams run with the football. He doesn't protect it. That, that ball's out there, and you better believe that the defensive coordinator for, for, for North Carolina has made that very clear to everybody else. Keep that eye on where that ball is. You could strip the quarterback, especially if he wants to roll outside the pocket and hold on to it for a little while. So that was like my kind of take On what's going to happen this weekend with the North Carolina Tar Tar Heel game. I want Jaron to go ahead and command his huddle. I need him to be the general in there. I need Zion to go ahead and have a short memory, get his snap count down. He needs to communicate with everybody and not go into a shell. Get off on the football, use it to your advantage. And just like everybody else wants, especially my man that was in here, Amon, last week, I need Jeff Thomas to go ahead and separate himself from the rest of these wide receivers. Okay, I get it, man. I understand. You're a baller. Let's go ahead and do some beautiful football plays, mistake-free football plays that doesn't cost our team something tragic. Offensive linemen, take on your blocks. Rip these guys apart. They stay high. They don't lower their head in the hole. This is where I need you to go ahead and lower your head and run somebody over. And here's something new for you. Block to the whistle. How about that? Passing plays. Don't turn around and look for the quarterback. How about you just block to the whistle? And if one of you sees the ball go over your head, yell ball and turn and run and get downfield and possibly peel one of those defenders off of one of your wide receivers, one of your playmakers. Nothing would piss me off more as an offensive lineman than seeing a linebacker stand up my running back and then have the defensive backs come in and just basically pinball him while he's standing there. Just taking on hits after hit after hit. And especially if a guy like DJ Dallas, my brother, keep doing your thing, man. Keep doing your thing. They don't like to wrap up either. So I know you got you can run right through their arms. You could run through their legs. Whatever you need to do. But DJ, DJ Dallas is having himself a nice little beginning of a football season. And he had a big game against them last year too. So I'd like to see him do some more stuff against the Tar Heels this weekend. So again, dealing with a big weekend, big game, night game as well. We have to jump off. It's time to go ahead and get a win back, get some confidence back in us. Go up there, take a win from these guys, and head right back home and get ready for the next one. Week one of the NFL season. I want to go ahead and give you some NFL update as well. Primarily geared around our Canes, our Cane brethren. Uh, week one of the NFL season. I don't know who you most excited to watch, to be perfectly honest, uh, but 16 Canes were cut on Saturday. Uh, five were actually with the New England Patriots. Goddamn Belichick loves himself some canes. So you had Berrios, Gautier, Harris, Kamalu, and St. Louis were all cut from, uh, from the Patriots on Saturday. But fortunately for Trent Harris, uh, he got picked up uh, by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Gerald Willis got cut by the Baltimore Ravens. Remember him? My God, man. Undrafted on draft day. Crazy. The Baltimore Ravens ended up picking him up, but they ended up letting him go. Uh, but fortunately for, for Willis as well, that the Dolphins ended up claiming him off of waivers. And the Jets also claimed Braxton Berrios and have been talking quite positively about Braxton, talking about punt return and using him in the slot and a few different things. So uh, Adam Gase liked him coming out of college. He had a pretty good eye on him from the beginning. Uh, he saw a lot of Braxton Berrios down here. So uh, being down here in his own backyard, I think he's looking for some kind of consistency and a hard-working playmaker that, that he could possibly bring on uh, the New York Jets. Monday, Monday, Monday. The reason why I want to tell you about Monday Night Football, I want to tell you really about all of Week 1 football, to be perfectly honest. But uh, but it starts off, for me, I know I jumped the gun a little bit with the Monday situation, but for me, Thursday night, man, old-school NFC North showdown. You're dealing with the Packers and the Bears Thursday night football, man. On tonight, go ahead and get you some. It's on NBC. Packers, Bears. So like Mitch Trubisky and Aaron. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. Where has he been? What kind of year is he going to have? You're going to go ahead and see a sample of it tonight. Then you're going to jump to some really, really good games. When I asked you earlier, I don't know who you're excited to go ahead and see, who you're excited to watch. I want to see the Steelers-Patriots game. It's weird how how even just before I did the podcast somebody asked me who my favorite NFL team was and to be perfectly honest my favorite NFL team was the one that paid my mortgage whatever year whenever I had it that's the one favorite team that I had to be perfectly honest but but uh, to, to to get into who is my favorite I, I like guys like I just I like favorite players I root for guys who I know I root for guys who I've come across I want success for them so seeing What's going to happen on Sunday? I, I, I want Steelers-Patriots, man. Like, Steelers-Patriots is going to be ridiculous. You got that game going on in Foxborough. You got Ben Roethlisberger versus Tom Brady. Ben's 0-4, by the way, when going into Foxborough, facing Tom Brady. That's your big Sunday night game. I know I jumped it again with going with an eight twenty Sunday night game. But, like, Really? Opening the season, Steelers and Patriots in Foxborough. I'll take that game any day of the week. Plus, you got the Giants versus the Cowboys. So you got you got probably one of the better two running backs in the NFL. You got Barkley going against freshly signed Ezekiel Elliott. My God, $90 million, 50 guaranteed as a running back. That six-year deal, breaking the mold. I like it. You're looking at their defensive powerhouse, Aaron Donald. That dude's getting buku amounts of money, 20-something million a year. But Jared Goff, breaking the goddamn bank. Six years, 161, 110 guaranteed. And this is something that I just put my thumb on. Jacoby Brissett, you might want to go ahead and give a little bit of that money to Andrew Luck. And the reason why I'm saying is because Jacoby Brissett just signed a two-year deal for 30 yards. 30 yards meaning $30 million. A two-year extension for 30 mil. And guess what? No agent needed. He did the deal on his own, man. And a direct quote from him saying, I don't want someone bullshitting on my behalf. Shout out, man. Jacoby Brissett, two years, extension, $30 million. There was a couple other contracts that went in the other day as well. Jared Goff. Holy smokes, man. This guy went from a total bust. I mean, remember when everybody thought this dude was going to be a total bust? Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Remember? Sean McVay didn't do Anything prior to Sean McVay and then all of a sudden Sean McVay comes in there, the quarterback whisperer, younger than half the guys on the goddamn team, takes Jared Goff and gets him six years, $161 million. You know how many guaranteed monies that dude's getting? 110 stackaroos, bro. $110 $110 million guaranteed is what Jared Goff's getting for those Rams. I always like getting players and seeing players get a boatload of money because I'm tired of talking about basketball contracts and, and I'm tired of answering the question of does it make you pissed off when you hear how much money a mediocre basketball player is making and it's guaranteed. That discussion is a whole other podcast, to be perfectly honest. But, but you're going with Eli Manning, who's 38 years old, going against Dak Prescott. Here's the interesting factor with the Giants and the Cowboys game. That game is going to be in Dallas. That's the 425 game. You're going to see Dak Prescott bomb these fools. And when I tell you that he's going to bomb these fools, the reason being is Dak Prescott has only had five 300-yard games in his three-year career. Only five. But hear this. Two of those five are versus the G-men. I don't know what it is it's that maybe that rivalry, you got Zeke back in the backfield now, I don't know if they're going to go ahead and hand him the football, if he's ready to handle a 25 carry load of a game, Um, so I'm looking for Dak to have himself a nice little game, I'm going to get him throwing above 300 yards again, Uh, Saquon Barkley, unfortunately, I don't think Eli's going to do anything illustrious as well, he had a pretty decent preseason, but I think they're just going to hand Barkley the rock, and they're just going to keep pounding, and pounding. So, so if you're looking for games to take a peek at this weekend, uh, I'm going with the starters tonight, you know, you're going to be getting the, the, the green Bay Packers, uh, playing at the bears. Then you're going to go ahead and get the, the big games on Sunday for me is going to be the Steelers Patriots. And then, uh, and I think I might throw one more game in there. I'll even go with, uh, Broncos and Raiders. Uh, maybe another one, Texans and saints because I'm a boy JV. I want to see that one as well. So um, Sean Watson, uh, Drew Brees, pretty high offensive powers, Broncos versus the Raiders. Eh, I think I'm more excited about seeing what Gruden's got going on, coming off of the, off of the hard knock situation. But again, I think the big game for me is your Giants and Cowboys. Uh, and, and then the one that's going to happen on Sunday night with your, your Steelers and Patriots. Shout out to everybody else right now that has been doing something real special. I, I've actually gotten quite a bit of texts right now from, from, a few people that are, that are letting me know that they're going to go ahead and, and handle some, some donation stuff. If you're looking for places to donate, I know a lot of the Marine stores are accepting donations. Uh, I know tire group international Joaquin Gonzalez's, uh, tire wholesale company right there in Doral of Northwest, uh, 35th terrace. I believe the address is 7,500 Northwest 35th terrace. Their warehouse is accepting a lot of goods as well, because they do a lot of business in the Bahamas. So if you're looking to drop and donate and do that type of thing, you just don't know how it's going to get over there. Don't worry, there's a lot of places, and I'm sure uh, out the huddle is going to go ahead and tweet out some different spots and IG out some spots for you to bring some goods and help out. Whether it's time or donations, monetarily or or, or material-wise, they could take everything. Like I'm talking baby supplies, diapers, water, um, bed sheets, you name it, they can take it and they could use it, brother. I'm telling. It just the more and more aerial footage that comes out, the death toll that keeps climbing, um, coming up to the second floor window of some of these places in in the Abacos and the Grand Bahamas area is just super, super sad. So again, you know, I'm, prayers up and, 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 and a definite shout out. And I'm thinking about the people of the Bahamas because we've all enjoyed our either boat trip or flight on over to the Bahamas and seeing just how beautiful the white sandy beaches and the aqua waters are and for a long time now, unfortunately, uh, that that's not going to look like that. And it's going to take them quite a while to build back up and they're going to need our help. So, um, we dodged it catastrophic event, but, but, uh, those poor people over there just endured it for 24 hours. So, um, unfortunately that paradise just endured the wrath of Dorian for a day. Uh, so a little bit of a morbid thought ending this podcast, but, uh, But I think the Miami hurricane season starts this weekend to be perfectly honest. I think you're not only dealing with an underdog of a six point team up there, a fresh new coach, fresh new quarterback, uh, but you're also dealing with a distraction of a Dorian coming in the day before the game. Uh, and these people scathed by, uh, by some tropical force winds and, and a few other things in the area, Uh, just, just another distraction that they need to handle. But, uh, but something for our benefit down here that we endured last week. So, This is Brett Romberg with the Out the Huddle podcast. Later.